Hi, friends. How are you today? Good to see you. Welcome to church. As it's already been stated, uh, as we uh, prepare to dive into God's Word, I'd love for you to take your Bibles and turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. If you can turn the lights up on the people, that would be great, because I want to see who's here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, unless we didn't pay the bills this month and they went out. There we go. Oh, so much better. Hi. How are you? You are here. Hey, uh, it is so good. I just want to, I want to say a couple things before I begin. Number one, I just want to say thank you um, to all of you uh, for who you are at Friends Church. Uh, over Christmas, on our Christmas weekend and all the services we had, we had over 10,000 people that walked through our doors and made their way here. And uh, we had hundreds upon hundreds of people that served and gave of themselves over uh, the eight services. And we invested in our community in great ways. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who um, brought some people uh, and, and were a part of what God did uh, here. I, I said before Christmas that almost 80% of people uh, say they would come to a Christmas service if somebody would just invite them. And so there was one guy who came up to me and he said, I just wanted to take you up on that. So he said, I, I was at work and I invited like three of my coworkers to come uh, with me at Christmas. And he goes, they don't even live close to here. And he said, and all of them came. <laughs> and there was like this shock and it was like, they all came. It like actually worked. And I said, see, if you just invite somebody, they'll actually come. So thank you for those of you who are great inviters. And thank you for those of you who were just a part and were here. Um, it was a great, great weekend. And uh, I'm just grateful for this church. Second thing, thank you for your amazing generosity. Uh, in the month of December, uh, at this church, we have a, a budget just for the month of December of about $1.4 million uh, just for the month of December. And you met that and you exceeded that. So you need to give yourselves a hand for the amazing generosity of this church and uh, all of our campuses. So thank you for what you did and who you are. And tonight we're starting a new series as we begin 2023 entitled All Things New. All Things New. And uh, Isaiah, the prophet, wrote these words in Isaiah 43. He said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God's always looking forward, and he's looking to new things that are happening, and we believe that God's always working and God is always moving. We sing around here. Even though I don't see it, you're working. Even though I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, God. You never stop working. And God is always up to something new. The scary thing about new always means that change is coming, right? That God is always moving and wanting to change us more into him, his image and less of our image. And he knows that change needs to happen continually in us so change can actually happen through us. But the problem is with us as human beings because we all know in most things in life we begin to drift and many times it's a slow, gradual drift away from who we want to be and what we are called to be. And before you know it, for those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus tonight, life reflects way more of you and way more of me and your desires than it does of him and his desires for you. And the same thing happens in organizations that happens in individuals. You see, over time, organizations begin to drift away from their original mission, their first calling, the true north that once guided them. Because many times they lose their convictions. They've abandoned their mission, and they begin to reflect something totally different than who they were called to be and what they were called to do. 
I'm going to put on a screen a mission statement of a prestigious, well-known university that has drifted further and further away from its stated mission on why they exist. Okay, here's the mission statement. It says this, to be plainly instructed and considered well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Think about that. Put it back up on the screen, William. I'm not ready for it to go down. You need to, you need to keep it in your mind. To be plainly instructed, consider well that the main end of your life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ. Anybody have an idea of what university that is? Harvard. If you went to Harvard University and you took a tour, you guys got it right, you gave each other fives, good job. Took a tour like my son and I did a few years back. Not much has changed since its founding in 1636. If you walk through the campus, it is distinctly New England. And near the center of campus, there's a statue of its first major donor, John Harvard. And he's wearing his colonial garb as he fits right into the architecture and tr tradition that surrounds the aura of what is Harvard University. You see, much of its legacy is still intact, it is, as it is considered an incredible institution with an unmatched reputation. But it is also an institution that in 1636 employed exclusively Christian professors, emphasized character formation in its students above all else, and rooted all of its policies and practices in Christian worldview. The school serves as a bastion of academic excellence and Christian distinction. And that is what Derek Bach wrote in the Harvard President's Report in 1987. And still to this day, on the diplomas that are handed out to each graduate, these words are written on the screen, on their diploma, excuse me. And this is what those words mean. Truth for Christ and the church. Yet there is little to no evidence that Harvard was founded to be a distinctively Christian school. And this took only 80 years. 80 years, Harvard began to drift from their mission and their founding purpose. There was a few clergy that approached a wealthy philanthropist who shared their same concerns. This man's name was Elihu Yale, and Mr. Yale financed their efforts in 1718 and named the college after himself, Yale University. And crazy, today neither Harvard or Yale resemble the universities the founders envisioned. And you know what? It happened slowly, over time, like a current that was carrying you away from where you were supposed to be. They slipped and they drifted from their original mission. Not only does it happen in institutions, but it happens to us. And that's what brings us to our scripture today in Hebrews chapter 10. The writer understood what it meant to drift slowly away from the one you proclaim you follow. And the writer here in chapter 10, he's imploring his audience to do a 180-degree turn in how they were living their lives. So I want to read together, starting in verse 22 through verse 25. Chapter 10 says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. In these four short verses, as there are three let us statements. The three let us statements are this, and I'm going to phrase it this way. Let us lean on, let us hold on, and let us spur on. Let us lead on, let us hold on, and let us spur on. Verse 22, that lean on, he says it this way, let us draw near. Let us lean into God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. Let us lean into God. This exhortation invites believers who have been eternally forgiven by faith and have committed themselves to Jesus Christ to live a life of obedience to him and his word. To draw near to God at every moment of their lives with a sincere heart. It's interesting he chose sincere. He didn't say pure. He didn't say perfect. He didn't say clean. But he said sincere. A sincere heart that says, I know that that I'm a sinner, but I also know this. And I believe that what Jesus did for my sins was sufficient for all of my sins. And with that, I have a clear-headed confidence, not a blind leap of faith, but a firm foundation or trust because of our God throughout all of history. He has been faithful and he showed himself faithful through his son, Jesus Christ. And he says here, draw near to God, which gives us the ability with a sincere heart that we can come boldly with full assurance that our faith brings to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And he says, as you draw near to God, as you draw near to Jesus Christ, that he will draw near to you. I love the way Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 say it. Some of you have this as your verse. You probably have it on your refrigerator. You have it framed somewhere. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to say it loud like you mean it and know it. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is going to be on the screen. So here we go. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All. All your heart. Not part of it. Not when it feels right. Not when you're having a good day or a good year. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He says, stop leaning on your understanding. Stop thinking that you have all the answers. Stop thinking that you alone know what is right. Stop believing your own press and how awesome you really are. He says, no, stop leaning on yourself and lean on me. If you have a bent towards something or someone, start leaning into and onto God. So how do you do that? Well, it's a word we don't like, but it's a word that we are called to, and that word is submit. See, you have to take a back seat so God can take a front seat. You have to submit, you have to give over yourself in every aspect of your life so God can have control, and you must be obedient to his word. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, because if you're actually not following Jesus and his word, then you're not following Jesus. He comes and he says, listen, trust the Lord with all your heart. And what Solomon is saying is don't drift away from God. How do you do this? Well, when you trust someone, you put your faith in them. You have to be able, when you put your faith in God, to guard something as well. Proverbs said it this way. Solomon said this, above all else, there's a lot of things that you can do. But above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. If you have your Bibles open, look back at verse 22 in Hebrews. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And in scripture, the heart represents the inner life of a person. 
the will, the emotions, the character, the thoughts. See, the heart is what will determine your behavior. And what we love to do as human beings, we love to go after people's behavior, right? We love to go after their behavior, but really a lot of times it's not their behavior that's the problem, it's the heart that's the issue. It's not what's going on on the outside, it's what's going on on the inside. Because remember, we just read, what happens on the inside is what's producing what's going on on the outside. My wife was great at this uh, with our kids. Um, she shepherded their heart the whole time they were growing up. And I always wanted to shepherd their behavior, right? Because <laughs> I'm the dad and I wanted to correct and I wanted to say no and I wanted to say you're grounded and I want to say this or that. And Maddie always went to the heart. She would just look and say, Sophie, Noel, and Ella, you got a heart issue. <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a step back and we're going to pray because your heart right now is not honoring God. And they couldn't fully grasp it or understand it, but what she began to do was shepherd their heart. And then we started to watch some of their behavior begin to change because they began to understand that when they were being obedient to Jesus and they yielded themselves over to him, that he would begin to change them. And out of that, their behavior would begin to change. And we want to go after the behavior all the time. And really what we have is a bunch of people running around with some wicked hearts. <laughs> and we have to go to the root of it. And he comes and he says, listen, you want to change. It's a heart issue. It's not a behavior issue because when God gets a hold and transforms your heart, then your behavior starts to change and your desires and your will and everything begins to be submitted unto him. And we get it backwards. I'm so glad for her. I look at my kids and I go, they're, they're really pretty good kids at 19 and 21 and 23. And I know I don't know all the things they do, but they're really pretty good kids. <laughs> and I look at my wife and I say, thank you for shepherding their heart. Thank you for always turning them back to Jesus. Thank you for stopping and praying in those moments when the motion just kept getting higher, and we wanted to correct their behavior. Thank you. Because you were trusting the Lord with all your, own, with all your heart. And you were believing that God was going to do something in them. And we're praying that God does something through them now. So he comes in and he says, let us lean on. Let us draw near. And then he said, let us hold on. Look at verse 23. Let us hold on unswervingly to the hope we professed. For he who promised... It's faithful. Unswervingly. Love that word. We don't use it very often. But that means do not bend. That you are stable. That you are strong. And he says, let us hold on unswervingly in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hold on to the faith we profess. You see, to hold on unswervingly demands a choice. And it's a choice for us to be faithful to our God. But see... It's not a blind faith. Our hope is grounded in the faithfulness of God. We hold on as he holds on to us all the way to the end. I love what Pastor Paul Tripp says. He says, there's a universal question that everyone asks. And the question is this. Can the one who sits on the throne, can the one who sits on the throne of the entire universe be trusted? And in your choices and in your actions today, you will actually answer that question in how you live. Can the one who sits on the throne, the one who controls the whole universe, can he be trusted? And a person that holds on to God unswervingly, this would be a great prayer for you to pray each and every day as the psalmist prayed. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, you want to write it down. It says this, show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day 
long. I love that. My hope is in you all day long. Doesn't matter what the day brings. Doesn't matter what circumstance come my way. God, my hope is in you all day long. If you've watched the news and if you're a sports fan, on Monday, January 2nd, during the first quarter of the Buffalo Bills game against the Cincinnati Bengals, the team's safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed due to a cardiac event. And after receiving CPR in the field for 10 minutes, he was transported by ambulance to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And DeMar is still in critical condition, but breathing on his own and communicating to family and friends, they are saying it's a miracle what took place. And millions of millions of people have been praying for DeMar and his family. And one person whose prayer captured our sense of desperation and complete reliance on God's healing power was ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, can't say his last name too well. On NFL Live Tuesday, Dan led a global television audience in prayer. And he just stopped right in the middle of his program. And his prayer was full of care and compassion and love and trust in God's healing power and providence. And I just want you to watch this clip. And here's what I want you to watch. I've watched Dan... uh, followed him on Twitter and other places, and I've watched him write scripture, and I've watched him talk about his relationship with Christ, and then I saw him stop in the middle of a television program and just pray, and then I went, this dude, this dude is holding on unswervingly to his Savior, Jesus Christ, for him to stop on ESPN and pray. Man, he was standing up for Jesus on the platform that God had given him. And take a look and listen to his prayer. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're... we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer we lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. I just sat and watched that. I, I just began to think because things started pouring in. And people just kept saying, we're going to pray. And I, I thought about us as human beings. When it comes to this one God through his son, Jesus Christ, why do we as human beings wait? So there's a tragedy for everyone to come together and pray. Why do we wait as believers? Because many of us do the same thing. 
to pray to Jesus daily, to, to lean on him, to hold on to him, to realize that he's got this, to trust him with everything that we are. And it just was a reminder to me that every moment of every day, God has given us an opportunity to represent him and the platform he's given and the places he's given us. And I'm grateful that the writer of Hebrews tonight is calling us to, to hold on unswervingly to the faith that we have. Because our God has been faithful throughout time. So he comes and he says, let's lean on, let's hold on. And then the third one is he said, let's spur on. Verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. My son, uh, Wednesday night, it was his last night home before his Christmas break. And I just assumed that we probably would have dinner together with him on our last night as a family. And what I've learned with young adults is that you should never assume anything. You should just actually make sure that that's going to happen. And well, anyway, he, he was going to dinner uh, with his friend Scotty and their old high school small group leader here from Friends. And mom and dad weren't as important on his last night. Uh, but Scotty and Josh were. And as much as I wanted to have dinner with Nolan on his last night before he left, something inside of me says, I'm just so thankful for Josh and the impact that that young man's having on my son seven, eight years later. My son's 23 right now, and Josh became his small group leader when he was around 14. And when he said, I'm going to go out to dinner with Scotty and Josh, you know, my first instinct was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> But then I knew this, that Nolan Scotty wanted to be with him because that young man had impacted their life. And I know that Josh will speak into my, my son's life in ways that I will never be able to speak into Nolan's life. And here's what I know, that Josh is going to spur Nolan on in his faith and to love and to good deeds. And for that, I am so, so grateful that there are men and women are in this church that have gathered around our kids and the next generation and have said, we're going to stand with you and we're going to spur you on and we're going to love you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to minister to you. Because let's face it, mom and dad, sometimes we need others to come around us to help us. And I'm so grateful that there was somebody there to spur him on. It is said that the giant redwoods in Northern California have a relatively shallow root system. That their enormous weight is supported in part by the interlocking of the tree roots with those of the other trees around it. Think about it as you look at that beautiful picture behind me. You see, as followers of Jesus, we need interlocking roots with other believers in the church to withstand the enormous weight of this life. See, we actually need others to spur us on to love and good deeds. And in a world that is so evidently divided on everything, see, we need to understand that there is one who unites us together, as Matt said earlier. A world where self-centeredness and self-gratification is at the center of most people's lives, the church is to be the antidote to that. 
And so as we gather regularly around God's word and the worship of God, that's when we meet. And by the power of his spirit, he does something supernatural in us and through us. But it's like those giant trees for us to survive in this world. We need each other. And see, we have to develop those long-lasting friendships to have people to walk alongside of us in this thing called life. And we have actually been given each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, one another to spur us on. And we need people to come around and love and do, do good deeds that show the love of Jesus outside these walls. And I just began thinking about what God does in people when they come into this place. Because I can tell you this, myself, my Chris, and Chris, we have nothing to say unless the Holy Spirit comes and speaks through us. And sometimes people come up and say, that message was just for me today. How did you know? You were speaking right to me. And I say, I have no clue. I just know that I'm called to open up God's word and present it to you as the best way I can. And then I get to watch God do something in and through his spirit in your heart. And I uh, wrote this lady a, a note today because I was thinking about a story that happened a couple weeks ago when I, was, when I was preaching. And I asked her if I could share it, and, and she said yes. And so uh, I was up here on stage, and we took communion uh, right before our Christmas Eve services, so about three weeks ago. And we took communion, and, and uh, Scripture says it really clear. It says, if there is something between you and a brother and sister in Christ, go and ask that person for forgiveness before you take the cup, before you eat the bread. And you ask their forgiveness. And this lady walked up on stage after I was done, and I, I got a little nervous as she walked up on stage, because you know most people don't just walk up on stage, but she was making a beeline for me. And uh, she made a beeline for me. Uh, she had her, her juice, and she had her cracker, and she said, I couldn't take this today, because she said, I've had bitterness in my heart towards you. And then she just started crying. And here's what I know um, over the last couple of years. Here's what I've watched. I've been been sitting in this position in leadership, and when things get chaotic in the world, things get chaotic personally. And when things get chaotic personally, then somebody's got to pay the price. (laughs) And sometimes that's that's us here. And when things start to change, everybody thinks we're changing. I just want to let you know, we're not changing. I've not changed my view on Scripture. I've not changed my view on Christ. I've not changed my view on anything. I'm a very conservative man if you hung out with me long enough. I am not changing. And as long as I'm here and the elders are at this church and our staff is here, we are founded on this book and Jesus Christ and nothing else. I'm not changing. But I'm not going to chase down everything and defend it all the time. The only thing I'm going to defend is this. And there are things I need to speak out and speak against. I will do that. But we are about, I want to be about what we're for, not what we're against all the time. And we are for Jesus, and we are for people coming to know him, and we are for being a representative of him. Okay, there's my soapbox. Back to the story. So she came up, and there was just some things that that in her spirit, she just felt, because she had watched other churches compromise, and watched other churches have done that, and, and there was something in her. And she said, I kept looking for you or for Chris to say something wrong. And I kept waiting for you to do something wrong. And I said, well, you don't have to wait too long. (laughs) We do it all the time. You don't have to look too hard. And she said, and that was just wrong. And she said, will you forgive me? 
And I said, forgive it. And she's crying, and I hug her, and I said, hey, do you want to take communion together? She said, I'd love that. And I looked her in the eyes, and I just told her what I told you, that I haven't changed. And my faith has not wavered one bit. And I'm going to do my best to lead this church to honor Christ, and I will make mistakes, and we will, and we will apologize, and we will own them when we do. Because we're just human beings like you. But we sat there, and on this stage, we took communion together. And when we were done, and I prayed over her, I looked at her, and I said, thank you. Thank you, number one, for being bold enough to walk up on this stage. Number two, thank you for actually following Scripture and doing what the Lord was convicting your heart to do. Because when the Lord moves in your heart, and he does something in you, he wants to do something through you. And I said, you know what you did when I wrote her today? I said, you spurred me on to be a better leader. You spurred me on to lead differently. You spurred me on that when there's something not right that I need to address it. And you did it in such a way that was full of grace and love. And God was honored. And our church is going to be better because of you. And I want you to know two things. When people walk in this place, I want them to feel the love of Jesus' followers. And I want, to hear them, I want them to hear the gospel and be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. That their lives would be changed, but your lives would be changed. And if we can love God with everything that we are, and we can love people, then the other stuff's going to take care of itself. And we get to proclaim the good news and the hope of Jesus. Let's let Scripture convict them. Let's let the truth of God's Word convict them. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit, and neither are you. I think He's capable <laughs> because he convicts me all the time. And I am grateful for people like that lady that walked up to spur me on. So in my next four minutes, let me ask you this question. Are you living a life that reflects the living God living in you and through you? Are you living a life that reflects the living God living in you and through you? See, the author of Hebrews would not have said these things unless there was a problem that was happening with the audience that was getting this letter. He wouldn't have been imploring them to draw near, to lean on into God, unless they had fallen away, unless they had started to drift away from their first love. See, there was real problems. They stopped leaning on. They stopped holding on to. They stopped spurring one another on. They had lost their intimate relationship with Jesus. They lost sight of what Jesus had done for them. And so he comes in and says, hey, don't lose your faith. You need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And he wrote this to the people because they were drifting away in their faith. And as we start 2023, we just don't want that for you. And it's not that we want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to lean on. We want you to hold on to. We want you to spur one another on so that God will be honored. You will grow in your faith and people will come to know Jesus Christ. So for the month of January, we're going to do this series, All Things New, because we believe God is going to use us to bring about a new work through the power of his Holy Spirit in us and through us. We have a mission statement. If you've been here, you know it. You don't even have to look at the screens, but it's coming up on the screens now, and you're going to say it loud with me, not like Saturday night, but like Sunday morning, right? Here we go. Becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. Well, how is that lived out? It's pretty simple for us. It's lived out in three ways. We call it our 3G strategy. 
And in this series, we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And so the three are this. We live it out as we gather and we grow and we go. All right? Gather, grow, go. Keep it up on the screen. Stay it with me. Gather, grow, go. All right? Tonight, we're talking about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That we draw near to God, that we lean on, that we hold on to Him, and that we spur one another on in this faith. And here's what I know about church. Participation shows you're a part of something, while attending means you're just a spectator of something. Let me say that again. Participation shows you are a part of something, while attending just means you are a spectator of something. You can't be a part of something without participating in something. So I just want to invite you to participate in something bigger than just your life. The life Jesus has called you to, that you would participate in this thing called friends. And I want to say, as Scripture says, I want to spur you on towards love and good deeds. I want to spur you on to meet together regularly, as he says some are in the habit of doing. The average follower of Jesus, those who say they're committed to him and his church, they attend church 1.3 times a month. I don't know where they get the point three, but it's 1.3 times a month. That means you're coming like 15 times a year out of 52 weeks. Those are people that say, I am fully in for Jesus. I think that's pathetic. That's the average. Here's what I know about you Saturday night. You're above average people. You are. You're not average. You're above average. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Create some new habits. Some of us gotten some really bad habits from 2019 on, and we just keep those habits. And here's what I know about habits. You got to change, and you got to be disciplined and committed to make it a habit. I was a trumpet player. Somehow, fortunately, I got to, to go and, and play at Disneyland and travel the world and do what God gave me a gift to do. But here's what I know. I practiced every day. When I was young, my mom set the timer. If you've been here, I've told this before, she set the timer, and I had 30 minutes, and that timer on the stove, when it went off, I would quit. And then I got to college, and I thought I was good, because in high school, I was a big fish in a small pound, and I got to college, and I was not that good. And I would then go spend four to five hours a day practicing. When we went on my honeymoon, the thing that went with me besides my wife <clears throat> was my trumpet. She will tell you, there is not a morning for almost 35 years of my existence that I did not get up and practice for one to two hours in the morning because I was committed and I knew what would happen if I missed a day. Very rarely did I miss a day. But it became such a part of me and it grew discipline in me and then this was this habit and then I began to reap the rewards of that. I actually made money playing trumpet. It was awesome. Here's what happens when you begin to open God's word. When you begin to fellowship and when you begin to serve, God begins to do something in you so he can then do something through you. But in 2023, you got to make a choice that that's who you want to be. So I'm asking you to join us. And here's what it's going to look like. When you came in, you got one of these cards. I'd love for you to take it out. Just take it out. Some of you overachievers have already checked every box. Don't do that. Here we go. All right? I'm going to just take you through it. On the, on the front side, it says this, I, with a blank. Then you put your name there. Okay? And I only want, you can put your name there because you haven't committed to anything. Just put your name. 
And then here's what I want you to do. If you don't have a card, you're going to get one next week and the next week and the next week. And then you get a really cool laminated card like me. We're going to laminate them together. You can't wait for that week. It's going to be exciting. Okay. So you put your name on it. And then there's a top line. Here's what I'm going to ask you to commit to tonight. As we talk about what it means to draw near to God, I'm going to ask you to draw near to God. I commit to reading my Bible daily. On that side, that's the one that you would commit to. Okay? We are going to ask you to begin to get into God's Word each and every day. I love what D.L. Moody said. Okay, hold the card up because we're, we're going to, no, don't hold it, well, you can hold it up, but we're going to go through it. All right, here we go. D.L. Moody says this, though, first. A person can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he or she can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into their lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. So you ask, how often should you read the Bible? How often do you face problems, temptation, and pressure? Every day, right? How often do you need instruction and guidance and encouragement? Every day, right? Then I just think you should be meeting with the God of the universe every day. (laughs) Because the God of the universe actually wants to be in relationship with you every day. So as you learn to lean on him, you will learn to trust him in everything and in every way. And if you don't know where to begin, I'm going to make it easy for you. You can join me in reading the Bible through the Bible in one year. And you can just go to this website. It's going to be up on the screens. It's pretty easy. And as you go to this website, that's going to be on the screens. And it's pretty easy. The B-I-O-Y, Bible in one year at alpha.org. Nikki Gumbel and his wife put together this. It's amazing. It has devotions with it. It has commentary that goes along. But for 15 minutes of investment per day, you will read through the Bible in one year. You can do that, or you can go on the QR code, and you can just, it's right there, and they will give you the link right there on the QR code that's on your seat. But here, I would love for you tonight, if you want to commit to me to getting into God's Word, that you would just check that box. And you would just check it right now. Some of you just got to check it, okay? And then you flip over the card. I didn't see a lot of checks, but I need you to check it because you're going to read the Bible because you need encouragement and love and hope. All right, next one on the back side. It says gather. We're going to attend and serve regularly. I don't know what regularly is to you. I'm here uh, regularly. Uh, I'd love for you to come with me regularly. Man, if you're a a once-a-month attender, why don't you try twice a month? I would just love for you to be consistent in your walk with Christ because we're to spur one another on. And Christian, our Christian walk was never meant to be in isolation. And so I'm going to invite you to say, I'm going to make a commitment in 2023 that I'm going to attend regularly and I'm going to serve regularly. You know, we, we didn't have church last weekend and it wasn't because we were just tired. <laughs> we were a little tired. But here's what we knew. It takes... Three to 500 volunteers just open our doors and to make everything happen with kids and all the stuff that goes on. And most of them, 20%, do 100% of the work around here. And we needed our volunteers to have a break. We needed us to have a break, but they needed a break. And we created something online. We didn't meet just because we were taking the week off. We believed that we wanted to give a little bit of rest to the 20% who were doing everything. And so I'm inviting you into the story of what Friends is doing. We have so much opportunity And you're going to hear about that over the next week. But I would love for you to pray about making a commitment to gather regularly, serve regularly, and read the Bible regularly. 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put check marks by that if you want to make a commitment. Maybe you're not ready tonight, so here's what you're going to do. All of you are going to bring back this card next week because you're going to come back next week because we're regular attenders, and you're going to join us. And you're going to bring this card back, and we're going to go through the second thing. And then we'll go through the third thing, and the fourth week we'll, we'll, we'll do a little special uh, lamination together. It'll be really fun. You won't want to miss that weekend. Everybody good? Yes. yes. Here's what I want to ask you. As I close, are you living a life that reflects the living God living in you and through you. Let's lean on. Let's hold on. And let's spur one another on. Would you stand with me as we close? If we did those three things, could you imagine what would happen in our community? Can you imagine what would happen actually in our church if we did those things? Can you imagine if just 500 people from this church and all of our campuses joined all the others that were already serving faithfully, giving faithfully, attending faithfully? See, can you imagine what God would do if we began to become this community of authentic Christ followers and we were actually compelled to change the world? See, I am so excited about this new season at Friends because I believe God is up to something new. And he's up to something new in you and he wants to do something through you. Remember what Isaiah said? He said, listen, hey, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God, thank you for the people of friends. Thank you that you're doing a new thing among us. Thank you that you want to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God, thank you that we can lean on you, that we can hold on to you because you have been faithful and that, God, you have called us to spur one another on in love and good deeds. So tonight, we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, who is to be honored and glorified in all things. And it's in his powerful name we pray everything. Everybody said, amen.